0: Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 94th official episode. The NBA Finals is tied to a piece between the Milwaukee Bucks
1: and the Phoenix Suns. I did not think we'd be here as of, you know, five days ago or whatever it was when the when the Suns went up 2-0.
0: Yeah, man. I don't know. I never I never really gave up hope as a pseudo-Milwaukee Bucks fan Yeah. after Game 2. Especially because a lot of the times the series, or this playoffs, we've seen... Teams go up to 0 and then all of a sudden they either lose the series or it comes back tied two two. The sure. Clippers in every series are an example of this. Yeah. Um, but even the, the Bucks in in every series are also an example of this.
1: They, they went down 0-2 against the nut, the Nets. Exactly. Um, I, I guess yeah. I I, I think what I, what I mean by that is I, I guess I was I was fully expecting these teams to go to Milwaukee and split the games. I didn't think that it was going to be a sweep for the Suns. I also didn't think the Bucks would get both games at home, considering how the first two games looked. Because you obviously knew that, uh, you know the home court advantage means something but the the Suns looked dominant in those two games they weren't even mm. that close so I, I didn't think it was something that like the Bucks would come o- come back and and flip a switch and all of a sudden win two straight and we'll talk about why that is but the first thing i want to talk about is is just from last night the officiating because that's something that's been controversial even though it didn't really affect the the final final score and outcome it was like it almost did so let's let's start off talking about that and and Obviously, what we mean here is the the Devin Booker probably should have fouled out and didn't. Yeah, man, like Devin Booker
0: had eight fouls this game, Yeah. but he only had five on the record. Mm -hmm. And I understand the treatment of NBA officials typically tend to give stars a little bit more leniency, especially if they have five fouls in and especially put on another lay of that if it's in a if it's in a close game. But you can't. You, you can bend the rule slightly. You can nudge it slightly. You can't break the scale and just say, "Hey, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna call
1: fouls on Devin Booker." Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like I, I don't think that any ref would would in a in a game as important as this and for a foul that was as important as that, just say like we're gonna give you star treatment and and not call that to keep you in the game. I my guess is that it was a straight up missed call. But it was a blatant foul, dude. And I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think that, and from things
0: I've heard on Twitter and like the one or two people associated with NBA I met, like, refs are aware when when someone has five fouls. Yeah, they, they know that they might not give a tech to someone who
1: already has five, or who already has four in the first half. No, I, I know what you mean. I, I guess I like, I, I think this isn't this isn't such an obvious call because Devin Booker literally hugs Drew Holiday in the air that I don't think you could possibly see that and be like, well, I can play that off as not a foul. So in general, yeah, I agree. I think, and so and so, actually one more thing is is Brian Windhorst, who on the low post, they talked about this game in the most recent episode, and he was saying that, the I, th- I don't know if it was the lead official or the official who was right there, I can't think of his name, is one of the best and most reliable refs in the NBA and so it's kind of shocking that he would make such a you know controversial call a call that was so obviously wrong um just after watching one replay and even watching it live to be honest with you but um that's part of it but i also think Devin Booker like a bonehead play so like <laughs> bonehead what it, what is what is getting glazed over i think yeah, in the fact that that we're talking about this call is like not not only did the call get missed, but like maybe more importantly, Devin Booker, as the best player on the Phoenix Suns, had five fouls. Had already missed the last few minutes and came right back into the game and fouled like like more than once. As as you were, as you said, like probably should have had six, seven, eight fouls, not five. Um, like what is he thinking? Yeah, bro. Like. That's ho- embarrassing.
0: I, like as a hooper, I've been in that situation before, but I'm playing like JV and varsity basketball. I'm not making like millions of dollars. I don't have 38 points in an NBA yeah. finals game. So that that is also very surprising. I think sometimes the adrenaline can just get to you and you kind of lose your head. This is his first NBA playoffs even though he's been killing it. He's never been in this situation before. Yeah. Even even at Kentucky when they went on uh, a national title run. Devin Booker was coming off the bench, you know, so
1: I, I, mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I think this is a reminder and, and we'll get to Chris Paul, but I think this is a reminder that outside of Chris Paul, the Phoenix Suns are a still very young and inexperienced team. And in a game where Chris Paul had an off night, the Suns made some young, young and inexperienced plays, I guess is, yeah, is, is how we describe it. Um, and Chris
0: Paul, like Chris Paul shitting the bed and them still almost winning this game is also really remarkable is, is remarkable. Yeah but but on the other hand like cuz that's that's credit to devin booker dropping 38 or 40 i guess but also he had, he had a bad fourth quarter like he didn't like i think he scored two points in the fourth quarter three points in the fourth quarter or something like that part of that is due to foul trouble but also like like dude you 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 had like a i don't know like a like a 16 point third quarter and you don't really bring it in the
1: in the last 12 so i, I don't really i don't really know yeah, I, I guess this this whole conversation around that Devin Booker foul also brings up um, something that's been go- a conversation that's been going on all season, specifically with um, with the with the Olympics going on right now. We're seeing that the way that the international refs, the Olympic refs, the FIBA refs call fouls is very different than the way the NBA refs call it, right? Where, where the, this foul baiting, um, like, you know, where you where you throw the pump fake, get the guy in the air, and then jump into him. Or the guy has his hand on your hip, and you just swing your arms through and, and then start your shooting motion once his hand is already there. Or getting the guy on your back, then jumping backwards into him, like that, that, that classic Trey Young move. Um, that kind of stuff doesn't fly in international ball. And it's becoming really like finicky and ticky-tack and hard to watch. We've been talking about this all season. It's really strange that it went from... I feel like all playoffs. That's been one of the defining things. Like this year specifically, has been like those fouls. To it felt like down the stretch of this game, kind of nothing was being called. Um, zero, uh, zero free throw attempts for Chris Paul. Yeah. And zero free throw attempts for DeAndre Aiden. And, and even Chris Middleton had a forty point game, and I think he only had three free throws. Like it yeah. was this was an across the board kind of thing that there just weren't that many free throws this game. Um, so on the one hand, like I, I see. This might have been, you know, you mentioned Devin Booker, not, you don't, the NBA doesn't want Devin Booker to foul out of that game. The NBA clearly doesn't want a product where there's all this foul baiting going on, especially when we're, when we're seeing all these people saying, take a note from the Olympic refs, like they're doing a way better job than the NBA refs, and they're not allowing players to just take advantage of the rules. Um, like, maybe there's some kind of, kind of, like there's a lot of stuff going on in these refs' ears, like call fewer ticky-tack fouls, um, don't let our star players get out of the game. Like, I, there might be something there, but no matter what, this is both a stupid, stupid play by Devin Booker and a t- horribly missed call. And so the overall point here is, thank God the Suns lost this game, or you never would have heard the end of how this. they didn't deserve this win, they didn't deserve this championship, they didn't deserve this series, all that because of that one play so thank god that they actually lost this game just for the for the product of nba basketball it would have been a nightmare but let's get why. let's get into why
0: they did win this game because like for me at first i'm trying to think of like the super niche stuff of like oh like pat Connaughton is playing really well bobby portis is playing great defense pj tucker is making the hustle plays but i can say all that but at the end of the day the Bucks win games when their second and third best players hit shots, and they lose games when Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton miss shots. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, that's what that's what it comes down to. Me, uh, Chris Middleton went for forty last night. If your second best player, of Chris Middleton, who by the way leads the playoffs in uh, in in made uh, in made like go ahead shots in the last like four minutes yeah. of, of a of a playoff game within I don't know so whatever's defined as clutch time in a, in a close game. He and I think Devin Booker are tied for the for the most this year, mm-hmm. and so he has just been getting buckets. Sometimes there's this meme going around where Chris Middleton is either prime Michael Jordan or garbage fire, and yeah, there's no yeah. in between. And in the games where he's garbage fire, the Bucks lose, and the game where he's prime Michael Jordan, they win. Yeah. And I don't know how you can try to solve this as the Milwaukee Bucks saying like, hey, let's try to not have Chris Middleton go prime Michael Jordan in order to win a game. Because Giannis is doing his thing. He's he's a beast on offense. He had that insane block on DeAndre in, on the alley-oop mm-hmm. that, honestly, like people are comparing it to the LeBron block, and a lot of people are like, no, it's not even close because it, it it's not game seven. It's not coming back from 3-1, which is true. But in terms of just a skill-for-skill skill play, that's at least as impressive for me.
1: Um, well, that, the the thing that's like most impressive about that play is like, how many players in the league would have done that?
0: Like literally, I think like, like today, Giannis, like and no, maybe that's it. No, like, that no that that's that's it. No one like has no rest, one has the, right? the, the no one has the length and the agility
1: and, and the bounces he does because right? today. Do you, the, I was I've been saying this like all series and in like you know throughout the playoffs is like what there's first of all there's way too much Giannis hate out there. So so please if you're if you're somebody who's like Giannis can't be the best player like all this all there's so many just like stupid NBA like like I I hate to use the word casual NBA fans because in a way like we're casual NBA fans this isn't our job we do this as a hobby like so so in a way like everyone out there unless you're you know doing this like for your bread like this is the you're a casual NBA fan but the casual NBA fans who don't watch games and watch the thing and just like scroll through Instagram are like yo Giannis can't shoot he's just not good bro (laughs) like Shut up. Like, shut up. John, the first...
0: There's a tweet. It's like, Giannis is just clink Capella with the step. I'm like, oh, I want to walk into the ocean
1: and never come back out. <laughs> walk into the ocean. So first of all, shut up. But Giannis is so impressive because of, he's such a... Like, he does it all as an athlete. Like, not only is he... Have ridiculous length and size. He's also the strongest player on the court. He is pushing DeAndre Ayton out of his way. He's babying DeAndre Ayton, and that's this is the real point here. Is DeAndre Ayton sealed him off, right? Yeah. And Giannis pushed his way back in, recovered, and got the block. Out jumped him. Out pushed him. Out out like foot sped him. Out lengthed him. Whatever you want to call it. Like Giannis is such a well-rounded and perfect athlete. <laughs> Shut up about the jump shot. Like, it's ridiculous. Just appreciate what an incredible player that we're watching. So that's, that's a whole on, side On thing, that but. particular
0: play, too, what's remarkable is when Devin Booker was on the right elbow slash driving to the lane, mm-hmm. and he threw the lob pass to Aiton on the other side of the lane, Giannis was guarding Devin Booker when that pass was thrown. And the play finished with him blocking a separate player. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't block the pass from Devin Booker. He didn't just contest the shot from DeAndre Ayton. Right? Yeah. He he pinned it at the top. He pinned it at the top of DeAndre Ayton's leap, which is just remarkable to me. Prime LeBron could have probably done it, but in terms of today in the league. I don't. I don't think end Anthony. List, I, yeah. li- I don't think Anthony Davis has the agility. I don't think Joel Embiid has the agility. And everyone else who does have the agility doesn't have the length that he does. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe John Isaac. Like when he gets more experience, that's the
1: only thing I'm gonna think about. So let, let's go back to uh, the Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday production part of it. You start talking about the Bucks' second and third players. I think that's that's really the story of this game and will be the story of the f- series moving forward. You know what Giannis is going to give you? It's going to be a bucket load of rebounds, a lot of points at the rim, and from the and, and a lot of taken free throws, not necessarily makes. Um, Chris Middleton here though went absolute Jesus mode and couldn't miss for mid range. Um, I think one thing that that's that's really noteworthy for me about this game is. The Bucs got the win tonight while shooting twenty four percent from three.
0: They wow, made seven of I think
1: that? I looked it up seven seven of twenty nine. Because wow. um, I noticed that it was like that's crazy. If, if you if you think back on the game on the game, it was really the Chris Middleton show. Like they weren't getting open threes. PJ Tucker missed a couple. I'll get into Brooke Lopez in a second. He missed a couple. Connaughton hit a few down the stretch, but that was, and Bobby Portis hit like one from the corner. That was basically it. Like it was Chris Middleton lighting it up for mid range. Giannis getting some of his usual freebies, and by freebies I mean like freebies for Giannis, not freebies for the average NBA <laughs> player. Um, and, and and so I guess what I guess what I'm saying here is like, if how many games the story of the series is probably going to be how many of these games does Chris Middleton have in the tank? He has zero 40 point <laughs> games left in the tank. I would my like everybody's money should be on, but could he have another like? Game where it feels like he can't miss, where he goes and shoots sixty percent from the field. Like, if Chris Middleton is having that type of game, it kind of doesn't matter if the Bucks threes are falling or if Drew Holiday puts up a big old donut. Like, he didn't literally, but you know what I mean. Like, the Bucks are a legit offensive team. Um, and here's an, and here's a whole other. Uh, so okay, so first, Drew Holiday is shoot is still shooting bad. So. If if at any point Drew Holiday turns it on a little bit, this is a whole different series. But the problem is that right now it's Giannis, and so up until this point it hasn't been a ton of Chris Middleton, and it's been very little Drew Holiday on offense. He's been good on defense, very li- producing very little on offense. Um, mostly, it looks like Drew Holiday is just hesitant every time he touches the ball. He's overthinking it. He's the ball sticking to his hands. He's just got to make these quicker decisions. Um, I think the Bucs as a team look like they're taking turns with the basketball. They do a lot of, um, and and so I'll get, I'll get to this again in a second, but, but they're doing a lot of like, okay, Chris Middleton, your turn. You're going to take an ISO where you're going to drive to the basket, get a one-on-one. And if it goes in, it goes in. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's end of possession. And then they'll do it with Drew Holiday. And then they'll hope that Giannis gets open in transition. And if not, then it goes back to Chris Middleton. Like there's just, there isn't that many options, um, and so, unless Chris Middleton is making shots, it's not, it's not working in the half court offense. Is I guess what I'm saying. So Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday needs to be hitting their shots in a given game. Otherwise, their their half court offense is a zero.
0: Drew Holiday on the series is averaging 15 points per game, eight assists per game, and six rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Bucks, you take that. But the issue the, the field goal percent, is yeah. he's shooting 33 percent from the yep. field and 27 percent from three dude 33 percent from the field that's unacceptable yeah. for a guy that you traded two or three first round picks plus your starting point guard for not like and i, I still think the bucks don't regret this trade but this is it's put th- them in the finals th- I was yeah, like, yeah but this is this is game time mm-hmm. right now this is game time and he's making one out of three shots that he takes yeah, and he's supposed to be your third best
1: offensive player by a mile. The other thing I wanna I wanna hit on is the Giannis at center lineups. And now I'm calling Giannis the center. So people would say PJ Tucker's the center, or like, you know, I don't know. But the centers where Giannis is the tallest player in the court for the Bucs. It opens up. Basically, that means Brooke Lopez is out of is off the court, and it means that Bobby Portis or Pat, or Pat Connaughton, maybe both, are on the court, um, and usually PJ Tucker too. Plus-minus, which is a very imperfect stat, but can tell you some stuff. The only three players with negative plus-minus on the Bucks last night, P.J. Tucker, Brooke Lopez, and Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague should be for obvious reasons. Um, no offense to Jeff Teague, he's just like a liability on defense um, and not producing that much on offense at this stage in his career. P.J. Tucker, I'm not really sure why, but he's he and, and Jeff Teague are both only minus-three. Brooke Lopez is minus 13 Was 13 wow. that game and only played 19 minutes in a game that is, you win by eight. Yeah. The second, the second fewest of any player besides Jeff Teague. So that meant that Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton both played uh, more minutes than Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis played just over 20 and Pat Connaughton played just almost 32. What a beast! Um, Pat Connaughton's plus minus. Remember Brooke Lopez's was minus 13. Pat Connaughton's was plus 21. Bob Portis's <sighs> was plus seven. Um, Obviously, Chris Middleton's was plus ten, uh, Giannis was plus three, and Drew Holiday was plus eight. But basically, what I'm saying is the the Bucks looked way, way, way better when Brooke Lopez was off the court and Pat Connaughton and, and uh, Bobby Portis were on it, and they ran Giannis at center. I think that it created some problems early on in the game. Like so, so the Bucks, w- sorry, the the Suns went up eighteen to nine. If you remember, that was around when the the Bucks took off brooke lopez and, and put the honest center lineup in um the bucks quickly caught back up and, and then went on to keep it close and eventually win the game from from there out um right at like sort of during some of those runs it felt to me like Giannis was doing a lot of like standing around on the low block with his hands down like not even looking for the ball um which i thought was weird because i think I think. I this goes back to the taking turns thing that I was talking about on offense yeah, with the they, Bucks. They get stationary. Exactly. So it's it feels like it's either Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday gets the ball and spends ten seconds of the shot clock looking for a shot for themselves. I think that if if you're the Bucks, Giannis should be either with the ball in his hands, setting a screen Giannis or setting ball screens. Or someone setting a screen for Giannis. Like yeah. but there should never be really a second on the court when Giannis isn't in motion, and I think that that might be fatigue. That I, that might be man, man his, is tired, bro. That might be his, tired, his he, knee. He, but like
0: he, he's a comp, he's accustomed to not playing forty minutes a game. Yeah, because Mike Budenholzer un, underplays him, uh, and sometimes they're just winning by so many point by so many points that he gets subbed out in fourth quarters. Uh, and in playoffs, he only usually averages like thirty six minutes a game. And he's having to play 41, 42, 43 in these finals. Yeah, you can tell he's gassed. I think in game three, he asked for a sub like. Seven minutes in. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think this is partially because I, I think that's true overall. He plays hard and yeah. throughout the regular season he usually is a guy who averages like 38 minutes per game or 35 minutes a game. It's like sometimes even lower. Um, but I think also um, I think that him having sat out a week or two for the for the yeah. knee. That exasperates. You lose it. a little conditioning. Like like he the the entire thing with the knee was like he didn't have any structural damage, so he just had to rest and get better. So that probably meant he was not running. He wasn't doing anything above you know quarter pace for two weeks for a week you know whatever for the, the time that you would usually spend conditioning and get ready getting ready for the next series whatever. Um, he didn't he didn't do that. And also most superstars who are carrying the load that Giannis is on offense. Mm-hmm.
0: Most of the guards, at least, like Curry, Harden, Doncic, Lillard, they are not doing what Giannis does on defense. Well, Trae Young is the close. prime example. Trae Young, they hit him on defense for you know every series. That's, but that's... but the thing the thing with that is, I feel like at least Trae Young, they're coming at him, so he is having to work. I feel like the other the other teams. Those guys are a little bit more passable on defense, so they are able to hide a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So they're not—they're—they're they're, they're saving all their effort for for offense. And when you, you when right. you look to the the best big men in the league, like Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, um, they they do have heavy offensive loads and they're defensive player of the year candidates. But they're big men, so they kind of just stand in the paint. They're doing a lot of work, but they're not running around. Whereas Giannis, he does—he does both.
1: He's on the perimeter and he's down low. I don't know that this is true, but it has felt to me like Giannis has had a lot more possessions where he's the one guarding DeAndre Ayton, and I think that DeAndre Ayton has been slowed since that happened, and so has Chris Paul, by the way, because um, a lot of their a lot of their like offense collectively comes between like the connection of those two. Um, so there might be something to that 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 he's also switched on to Ayton, especially as Brook Lopez has been kind of like. He's being kind of phased out of the rotation after he starts. Like he gets, he does the tip, and then like he kind of doesn't play He's that much. Getting like, the Alfred Payton treatment. There you go. Um, let's let's sort of move on to the the Chris Paul stuff a little bit, because he has gone from hundred to zero. <laughs> He's gone from the Finals MVP to in game one. What happened in bro. game
0: one? He was far and away the best player on the court. Oh yeah. He just yeah. he just looked head and shoulders better than anyone else. He was getting open pull up
1: after open pull up, just every so single time. The first thing we have to say here is that the uh, the turnovers are completely out of character for Chris Paul. Totally five turnovers in, turnovers in a game, and in what was uh, you know Kenny Beecham described it as the most important p- uh, possession of Chris Paul's career. He turned it over. <laughs> you know brutal. he just he just lost the he just lost the ball like slipped um for a guy that that protects the ball with the with the best of them who just is like doesn't turn the ball over usually like probably has you know one of the best assistant turnover ratios of all time um this is kind of crazy five turnovers in a game and who knows if it's if it's the defensive pressure from the bucks or if it's uh or if it's chris paul like it's it's hard to say but you have to give some credit to to Drew Holiday. For as much as we just kind of gave him some, you know, we gave him a talking to for his for his shooting so far in this series, like, he's playing really, really good pick-and-roll defense, I would say. Um, yeah. Mike Malone, going back to the low post episode, the Bucks have been doing a really good job of fighting through screens, and then they'll have the center sort of, like, step up and hedge for a second, and then the center drops, but by the time that they drop, Drew Holiday or PJ Tucker or whoever it is, Chris Middleton will already be back on the guard's ass. Like, will already be like right behind them, ready to contest a mid range if they go up for it. Um, so they're doing a good job of catching up on the screen, while the while while whoever's playing center, you know whoever's on the center, so Giannis or Brooke Lopez is doing just enough to slow down slow them down and then retreat to stop anything at the basket. I think that's. It, their their pick-and-roll defense has improved a lot uh, through the series because they also, I think in Game 1, they were just straight-up switching, and we haven't seen a lot of a lot of uh, switching since then. Um, Dude, I'm, go- I'm going
0: through the stats. So in Game 5, Chris Paul had five turnovers. Yeah. In Game 4, four. he had four turnovers. Four, three, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. In Game 4, he had five turnovers. In Game 3, he had four turnovers. In Game 2, he had six turnovers. When was the last time Chris Paul had six turnovers in anything ever? Yeah, um, and I'm checking for his last box score, Chris Paul. I would have thought game one would be low. Chris but... Paul had two. Yeah. Um, but still, that's that's so uncharacteristic of him. Yeah. I think Drew Holiday's doing a good job. I think Giannis on that last possession, uh, he he poked the ball from Chris Paul after he was going around the screen. I mm-hmm. think Drew Holiday had him on had him on the back, but I think Giannis was the one who poked it away, and that that cost him the game right there. Very surprised by Chris Paul. I, I've noticed it through the eye test, too, throughout the last three games as well. Yeah. Um, he just isn't taking care of it, man. And shout out to the Bucks who are putting on a defensive clinic these past few
1: games. And you know what? Like, I was thinking at, at halftime of this game, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was, like, pretty close. Like, it was, like, basically tied going into half. I was like, the Suns probably got this because Chris Paul is going to come out and have a wild second half. Because that's what he's done in a lot of other playoff games is... Yeah he would he would step up in the second half right and he would come up big come up clutch and no show like no show in the in the third and fourth quarter when they when they really could have used that little boost because not only did it force Devin Booker to have to absolutely hero ball and he did that effectively um but I because because Devin Booker was the only guy who could hit a mid range shot. Like usually you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and I've been saying I said coming into the playoffs that I was a big believer in the Suns over the Jazz because the Suns had two guys who could yeah. go get their own mid range jump shot, and I thought the Jazz only had kind of Donovan Mitchell, and I wouldn't even say Donovan Mitchell is at the same level as Devin Booker or Chris Paul. Um, Although Chris but, Paul even it, like in game one again. He was money from, from that's, especially that's the right elbow. So. so So not only not only did they miss his shooting tonight, which was what forced Devin Booker to take all the shots down the stretch, but I think maybe even more importantly, they missed his his passing and his like floor general presence. Because it felt to me, and I don't know if, if you would, your eye test would agree, that he was just kind of running to the corner a lot. That it would be him and Mikel Bridges just in like opposite corners while Devin Booker kind of did his thing. Um, and Jay, Jay Crowder be, would be like kind of waiting on the th- on the wing for an open three. Jay Crowder or... has been the Finals MVP, bro. <laughs> Jay Crowder has been awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, them regretted a forty point game, but yeah. but yeah, I no. feel you. Um, I I guess I, I think that I would have come on to the to this podcast. After game two, and said the difference between these two teams is that the Suns, the ball never sticks to their hands; that it's always in motion, that they move the ball so incredibly well that they play as a team. They get open threes, uh, and the ball just the ball just flows. They just look natural, and their bath the basketball they play is beautiful on offense. And for the Bucks, say what you want, but it's not pretty. Like Giannis will go get a basket, or Chris Melton will get a basket, but it's not—it's never pretty, it never looks good, it never looks natural. But, the, but the Suns, it flows. That was not true in this game, and I think it goes back to That's Chris true. Paul. Because you can look at, if you go look at the, the stat sheet, in Game 1, Mikkel Bridges had 26 points, I think was their leading scorer. Uh, in in Game 4 last night, Mikel Bridges finished with 7, I don't like. I think he hit, he was one for two from three. I I don't I really don't even remember him hitting a shot. You could w- if you had said he had zero last night, I would have believed you. Because even, even in the game
0: three, loss, Mikhail Bridges was he he wasn't making catch and shoot threes. But I noticed he had a really good game. I think he dropped like over twenty. But that was because he was hitting like cre- like off the dribble yeah, mid range, which is not not what they're usually usually but, you doing. Know, I,
1: I think what what I guess what I'm saying is I think that the. McElburt having a quiet offensive game and a in a great offensive game in Game One is not so much uh, representative of like his scoring ability or him like getting hot, which was true in in Game One that he got hot, but and and in Game Three also. But I think it's actually more representative of the ball movement. Like it felt like Devin Booker was bringing up the ball the ball at the court himself and then taking the shot himself. The ball was not moving, um, and for a team that I, I, so I think actually the the Bucks are, like, last in the league in passes, like, yeah, in the playoffs. Um, but but the Suns last night, over half of their shots were from mid-range. Um, for and, and you remember, in, in Game 1 or Game 2, they made 23s. I think it was Game 2, they made 23s, which 250%. is, like, near finals record. Um, it's just... It's a stark contrast between their ball movement and their open three-point shooting uh, in, in the first couple of games versus what we just saw last night. It was... And, and I think it has to go back to Chris Paul because their ball movement was non-existent, and I think that that was, I was sold on the Phoenix Suns being the NBA champions because Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday weren't hitting shots, and the Suns were passing the hell out of the ball. It, it just was like looking forward. Are you still sold that the Phoenix Suns are the NBA champions? It's it's really hard to say because. The saying goes: the series doesn't start until the home team loses.
0: I don't buy into that. Like, I, like I think that's a dumb saying. I, I had faith that the the series wasn't over after two mm-hmm. zero, but it's not like they don't. It's not like the game doesn't matter. Uh. No, it, but
1: it, I think at least the way I interpret it is like you know who's gonna win the series if the home team wins every time. The home team is supposed to win every game, and if the home team wins every game, then the higher seed is gonna win. So. If we go the entire series with the home team winning every game, and the Suns take it home in seven, and like that would have been the like standard pick, like the favorite in seven, like that's the most like bland final oh,
0: like, yeah, like w- playoff series. Whatever, I still think that's a stupid saying. Say say who you think is going to win in
1: in how many games, in six or seven. Come on. I'm I'm tempted to say to say now Bucks in seven, even though it was Suns in six before the series, and I don't think I ever got to say that on the podcast, but that was what I was thinking. Um, I pre but, pre-series
0: if you told me Milwaukee was healthy I would have said Bucks in 6. Mhm.
1: I I I I don't want to believe though that this momentum that we that we've seen from the Bucks that that Chris Paul is just going to like let that slide. Like I want to think that Chris Paul is going to come back out in game 5 with a chip on his shoulder at home in Phoenix and be and, and especially after that turnover and be like this is my game and here and here we go. I'm taking this chip home like after after all this time i would like to think that that would be like that would be the best story ever that like chris paul came and like won it for phoenix um so so i i i want to say suns in seven and i guess that's what i'm going to say because that's what i want to happen um but (laughs) kind of logic is that (laughs) i'm happy you say that because i think i think bucks i think bucks in
0: seven if not bucks in six and i don't think i'm i don't think i'm a prisoner of the moment i i think that i i had the bucks coming out of the east even though I also thought the yeah, Nets were coming out of the East. But I, I had the Bucks coming out of the East. I've been a, I've been a believer in this team ever since Giannis won his first MVP. I, I knew that at some point they were going to make the finals, and it wasn't going to be in 10 years. It was going to be in the next five. And, yeah. and they have. And I I think that the things that make them great will continue to make them great. I think their defense is going to be the difference maker because both teams are gifted, t- uh, gifted offensively. I think their defense is going to be the difference maker if they can slow down DeAndre, and then and if they can contain one of Devin Booker or Chris Paul, then I think that's all you need from them. And then yeah. hopefully Drew Holiday learns how to play offense again.
1: What's what's a little bit worrying to me is I don't think that there's that many adjustments the Suns can make. Like I think, there are, I think their adjustment would be like we have to get back to the way that we played in game one. But like that's way easier said than done. Whereas I think the Bucks lost a couple games, knew what they had to fix, came out and fixed it. But like Giannis is just straight up hard to guard, and if Chris Middleton is going to have a forty point game, you're you're not going to win. Like, that's that's what it is. And so I don't think there's even a lot that I can point to from the Suns in that game and be like, here's the adjustment they need to make. Like Chris Paul needs to play better. End of sentence. Like that's it. So you, know, you can say the same thing about Middleton and Holiday though. But I think that from game one, you Chris, said, Middlet- you Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, their dropping roll, their pick and roll need defense need to be better. They need Chris but, Middleton needed to play better. But. Okay, that,
0: that's also that's not an adjustment. That's Chris Middleton scoring forty points.
1: Yeah, and look, I I think it's more likely that Chris Paul comes back and in, in has a few good se- games to end the series, than it is that Chris Middleton has another game like this. And so for that reason, I, I think I have to go Suns in seven. But right, and I go Bucks in seven. The the the, the one thing one last thing I want to say is. For, in response to the Chris Middleton forty point game people have been saying now for a while that like Chris Middleton's not good enough to be the second option on a championship team. We could sit here and talk about that forever, but I think Chris Middleton is good enough to be the second option on a championship team. I don't think he's good enough to be a first option. And you're like, Connor, he's not the first option. Giannis is. But in the last five minutes of a game, who the who do the Bucks go to? What was that stat about like who's the, the leading the playoffs and go ahead baskets? Like Giannis barely touches the ball in the last, you know, however many minutes of the game. It becomes straight up Chris Middleton ISOs in the half court. So, I personally, I think Chris Middleton is good enough to be the second best player on the championship team, not the first but not the not the first offensive option on a championship team. Um kind of I, I understand but, what you're saying, but like And and I think I think that, that he, down still... the stretch he's being forced to be the first option even though he's not. So, I think that's just I think that's just bad offense. I, and don't, I, don't, I don't think that's his fault. To I think be under clear, a better coach, that would be different. I'm not trying to say that that this this current Bucks roster isn't good enough to win a championship because that would just be stupid when they're when they're two wins away. <laughs> but but I'm I guess yeah, what I'm saying is like I don't think the problem is that Chris Middleton is a second option. I think the problem is that he's kind of hot and cold, unreliable, streaky, whatever you want to say, and he's their go-to down the stretch not Giannis for 40 minutes it's Giannis and then for the last 5, you know, it's it's Chris
0: Middleton. All right, man, we'll see. I got Bucks in 7, you got Suns in 7. Yeah. Um, really quick before we end the pod, let's talk a little bit about USA basketball yeah. Yeah. because I actually went to the first game, mm-hmm. the exhibition of, of, of the first exhibition, USA versus Nigeria yeah. in Las Vegas. Uh I, I was I was in town for the Conor McGregor fight. And, and and all of a sudden i was just with my friend and i was looking at my phone i was like wait like i i remember clips of kobe and Kyrie, uh like having highlights of team usa basketball and i think it was i think i saw like a red unlv logo in the background like doesn't yeah. team usa train at las vegas and so i looked it up and i'm like yeah and i saw i saw a sign on, on like outside saying like oh like games available i'm like no like what? and so and That's so, so we, we, we got tickets they weren't like too expensive and we, we got tickets and we went and we watched USA basketball and we actually we didn't get to stay for the whole game because we we had the fight that night but it was you i'm know, sure you and yeah, the entire stadium yeah. left you know half an hour earlier or whatever yeah but, so, you, you know that feeling of, like, like we're Knicks fans. Like, we mm-hmm. don't necessarily have a lot to go to a Knicks game for. So, like, especially... Like, except for like, this year. Yeah, except for this year. But just in general. So, like, if you ever have, like, gone to a Knicks game, you're like, oh, okay, so let's go to a Knicks game. Yes, they're playing the Trailblazers. I get to see Damian Lillard play. Yeah. Or, yes, they're playing the Warriors. I get to see Steph Curry play. Mm-hmm. It was, like, that, like, all, like like 13 of those rolled yeah, into yeah, one yeah, 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 it was yeah. awesome it was like oh they're playing the nets i get to see KD play they're playing the celtics i get to see tatum play they're playing the heat i get to see bam play they're playing the wizards i get to see uh bradley beal yeah. play they're playing troubles i get to see dame play and that was all rolled into one it, it felt like half an all-star game i was mm-hmm. watching uh whereas the other half was like kind of fringe nba players yeah um and so that's just that was just my pre how i felt there and, and we tried to like yell out players names they, they didn't want to look at us which is fine and in terms of the actual content of the game again i let i left and team usa was winning they were winning yeah. they were winning by like five though and in the back of my i never really focused like oh oh shit it, it's close like yeah. they, they could lose this game i was never really focusing on that i was just like oh yeah this is cool i'm just getting to see these players do their thing and I guess looking back on it, I, w- I was rarely blown away by like, whoa, like the USA basketball players are so good. And I guess that's an indicator of they didn't play that well. Yeah. The only the only thing that stood out was like Dame hit like three deep threes uh, and Jason Tatum had his way a few times with the Nigerian guys. But I guess, yeah, just on, like they, they lost. They were insane, insanely favored to win. And since then, uh, prior to this year, they were like, Team USA in exhibitions was like 54 and two, uh, and after that, they were 0 and two. I think they finally mm. beat Argentina, but they lost to Nigeria and they lost to Australia. I saw it was the first time they lost two in a row in like a long time. I think in in exhibitions specifically, it's the first yeah. time ever. Yeah. Because they were 54 and two, and now and then they mm. and they're and they're one and two in, in this year's exhibitions. Yeah. And so. I don't know what they have to fix. I think they have to stop baiting for fouls, like we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, There were a lot of times, like with Kevin Love and with uh, who else? Like I think Bradley Beal a lot of the times, they tried to like jump into the defender and get calls, and the refs weren't having it, and I kind of like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think the NBA has to, you know. I know the the NBA is talking about making some changes this offseason, and I think they will and I think they should to to basically like – like, I'm, I think going forward, we'll probably end up calling it, like, the Trey Young rules. Like, <laughs> like, it's pr- like, it's probably, like, they, they probably will, will kind of, like, nerf that um, as they should. Partially, I think that as a, I mean, I think that had to happen anyway, but I think the Olympics this summer are going to be a good, like, testing ground for that um, to see how the, the NBA players playing over there will respond and how, how those games go. But um, in terms of why <laughs> Team USA lost their first two games, not that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are going to be such important parts oh. of the of the, of the the Olympic team, but I think that take note of the fact that they're still playing. Like, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are currently in their NBA <laughs> season and are supposed to be on the – are, like, part of the 13-man roster for the Olympics. So, like I said, like, not that they're, like – And Devin specific. Booker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is, is he on Team USA yeah. too? Yeah, they're missing three players. So, so they called up, like,
0: Keldon Johnson and Darius Garland uh, and – I think Isaiah Stewart.
1: Yeah. So like not that not that those three guys specifically are like the 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 reason that they should win or lose against Nigeria, but I think it's indicative because you think about these like how gassed these players should be. Like Kevin Durant coming off of I mean, he didn't he didn't play in the bubble and didn't play really at all last season, but he was in the playoffs until a few like 2 weeks ago. Um I, again going back to the to the low post um brian winhorse said that zach levine looks like he's got the most juice right now um out of out of anyone out of anyone team usa because he wasn't in the playoffs because he was in the playoffs and he wasn't in the bubble last year so it's, it's a lot of these guys who are the best players in the nba are guys that also made it really far in the bubble and then pretty far in the playoffs um these guys have been playing basketball basically like, except for that short break, like an off, like the, the very shortened off season have been playing basketball for like a year straight, like with, yeah. with very little break. That's true. So I, I didn't think of that. I think it's partially exhaustion, partially the having to get used to international rules. Partially we're seeing this happening in the playoffs too, where like a team comes out and surprise you, like punches you in the mouth and it takes you a couple of games to like rebound. I think that's what happened. Um, to the, the Hawks did that to somebody. Maybe I think it was the to uh, the Bucks. Like, yes, yeah. the Bucks. Because the Hawks went. The, yeah. Did the Bucks go down one zero or two zero to the Hawks? 1-0, 1-0. I But in game one, in game one, they lost to the Hawks and then came out and absolutely stomped them. I think I think from here on out, Team USA will play a lot better because it will have flipped something like yeah, we're not but losing. Like they lost here.
0: to Australia as well. Yeah. Which
1: by the way, tangent like a tangent
0: tangent praising Patty Mills right now. Patty, I was I was talking to my cousin before uh, Team USA even lost to Nigeria, before they lost to Australia, and I was trying to explain like, oh, after this, uh, Australia plays. I think they played they played against like someone else, like like Germany or like Austria or something. Um, but yeah, Australia is playing after this. I wish we could stay because Patty Mills is like a god in international play. Yeah. Like in terms of like the points per game for international play in the past twenty five years, like he might be number one. He's he, nuts, he's, yeah. He's nuts for Australia. And he's gone so far, and, and the entirety of Australia loves him so much. He is the official flag bearer for for Australia in the Olympics. Really? Not not for the Australian basketball team, for yeah, the yeah, nation yeah. of Australia. That's usually like given to like the top honor. Like I don't know who's doing it for USA this year, but it's like given to like either a non-athlete celebrity or like the the pride and joy of of USA athletics or of like like Australia. Or yeah, this year probably. yeah. Yeah. And so it's freaking Patty Mills, like this this backup point guard for the Spurs, yeah. who just lights teams up, and he lit Team USA up too. He had like twenty something against against like Damian Nuts. Lillard
1: and Bradley Beal, and he looked like the best <laughs> player on the court, and it was awesome. Uh, cue the memes that like Team USA beat the US. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, sorry, Team Australia beat the US because Ben De- Ben Simmons didn't play. But oh. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs>
0: that's so rough. I think. And I think the last thing that actually. Yeah might be the most legitimate reason for why the Team USA is struggling is because most guys on other national teams know each other really well and have played with each other growing up or played That's with each exactly other. Say, or yeah. or at least they take camp a little bit more seriously because yep. they're not making billions of dollars each year. They want to know where their next contract is. And they just, like, I think because they're underdogs, they actually have more pride for their country. And they're like, hey, like whereas Team USA, it's like, hey, we're probably going to win anyways – uh, and people just expect us to win, so we'll, we'll we'll figure it out and we'll win. Whereas these guys, I feel like they're a little more hungry. They 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 know that if they do win this game, then like, the entire country is going to go insane. And I think they just have better on court chemistry together
1: because they know each other. It's way harder to play from the position of it's yours to lose than than like. It's yeah. a competition. Yeah, and it's um, not
0: not even about like wanting it more. I think that's part of it, but also yeah. they just have more chemistry together. They've played together, they take practice well, they take practice
1: seriously, so they have better encore chemistry. That that was that was that's also partially the result of like the NBA season is still going on right now. Like that's that the, they haven't practiced team USA hasn't practiced that much together. They don't have great chemistry and team USA is also a bit of a revolving door of like it's new superstars all the time. Yeah. But Bradley, but Beal, Bradley Beal had to drop out because uh, of COVID. New, yeah. Like yeah. health and safety protocols. But yeah, the, the other thing I want to say is for a lot of the guys in the Olympics, that is the biggest stage they have ever or will ever play on for, yeah. for, for True. team USA guys, like the Olympic basketball games, like, are 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 meaningful because you're representing your country like that's a dream but at the same time like the NBA playoffs get more eyeballs um which is just like the truth it's just the truth of it so more eyeballs
0: yeah all right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor and Bay Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to the goat Patty Mills. Shout out to Devin Booker's Discipline.